The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. Hello, Child Free family and friends. Cody here. Uh, welcome to Child Free Family's presentation. Let's talk money. This is episode four on saving and investing. I'm Cody Hetzel, the founder of Child Free Family, co-founder of the Child Free Convention, and all-around participant in anything discussing the Child Free lifestyle. And I'll be joined today by Dr. Jay. Let me pull him up here. What's up, Dr. Jay? Evening. All right, Dr. Jay and his wife are Child Free. Awesome. Uh, he has a PhD in adult learning from the University of Connecticut, and he's a certified financial planner. A uh, key thing to note about Dr. J is he is a fiduciary, which means he must put the needs and interests of his clients above his own, which is cool. On top of that, he is an advice only and fee only certified financial planner. In other words, he is paid for his time by his clients and he does not receive kickbacks, commissions, incentives for selling products and uh, all that other jazz. Um, so clients pay him for his time and advice and he helps them manage their own finances, including investing. Thank you for joining us, Dr. J. How are you? Good. How about you? Doing all right. Hanging in there. Hanging in there. Hey, Cody, I need to add in a little to your disclaimer today. So I am an investment advisor. That's my day job. Um, I run a registered investment advisor. That's my company. But everything tonight is just for education. I know you have a disclaimer coming up, but I, I just got to say it myself. That's so, fine. So I am. I, if I skirt questions and go, I'm not getting into that, I apologize. <laughs> I just... Man, the amount of paperwork I have to do is. It just means that they're really good questions. <laughs> so. I'll go. That's for Cody to answer. <laughs> so anyway, here's that disclaimer: uh, the following views, thoughts, and opinions expressed are for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please seek the assistance of a professional to aid you in your financial decisions. With that out of the way, uh, let's get into some fun stuff. This is live streamed right now. This is live. Uh, if you are watching this on uh, Facebook or the Child Free uh, YouTube channel. You can ask questions in the comment section. You can make comments, we'll see them. And uh, you know, if, if something pops up you wanna have an uh, answer to, we'll see what we can do for you. And this will be archived in the future. So if you are in the future, uh, you know, eating your, your, your you know, uh, three course meal by pill like they did in the Jetsons back in the day, uh, you know, you're welcome to still make comments if, and questions. We'll try to get those answered as well. So with that, uh, let's just touch on the basics. So this is saving and investing, something that everybody should be concerned about from the moment they get their first paycheck, in my opinion. Um, so just starting at the very, very basics, knowing your goals, how does someone go about finding, and, and you see this if you get into the financial realm, asking questions, their number. How does someone find their number? Yeah, I think um, even before you find your number, the first thing remember is last was it last week we talked about debt. I don't know. I've lost which week. <laughs> but paying off your debt is going to come first, and then we're going to start talking about our goals and our numbers. So just cool. food food for thought there. Okay. So when you talk about goals and numbers, I'm a little sorry, Cody. It's a little my soapbox. No, it's okay. Most of the general rules on finance assume you have kids. So if you're following the general rule of something, mm -hmm. chances are it doesn't fit you. Um, I just said to somebody the other day, the analogy is it's like that one size fits all hat, which just does not fit the size of my head. <laughs> one size fit all fits like that little part in the middle. Mm. And then people are smaller, or bigger, doesn't fit. So you got to mm -hmm. watch the general rules and, and you'll see all different random numbers. You need X to, to retire. Well, it depends. We talked before, maybe your goal isn't to retire. Uh -huh. Maybe your goal is financial dependence. You know, the, the, the most popular rule you'll see around the fire roll is, is this 4% rule. You heard that one, Cody? I have heard the 4% rule, yeah. What, what have you heard about that one? What does that mean? It, you just have to uh, utilize 4% of your uh, future spending. As uh, You don't want to go over that with your, your savings and income. Like, uh, you... <laughs> All right, let me tell you out. Exactly. It's called the safe withdrawal rate. Yeah. So a bunch of studies, and people are debating this now. Is it three and a half, four, four and a half? But the general idea is if you take 4% out of your money every year, you'll have the same amount of money you started with at the end, essentially, mm -hmm. or you won't run out. 
Uh, by the way, a lot of assumptions there. And we all know what happens when you assume you make uh-huh. a, a something out of you and me. Now, 4% means you got a million dollars. I could take out about $40,000 a year, every year, and I won't run out of money. We're child free. Yeah. We don't need the money at the end. Well, at least I don't. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm getting buried with $100 in my hand and that's it. Well, and that's the thing that you talked about. It, it's kind of a cookie cutter scenario when you talk to people who are helping folks through this labyrinth of financial planning. It's almost like, well, what do you want to leave your kids? Or is there a college fund? You know, that, you know, your generational wealth setup kind of thing. Do you want to have a trust fund, you know, yeah. so to speak? And, and the 4% rule assumes you want to, you want to have the money until the day mm-hmm. you die, mm-hmm. which we may or may not. Mm-hmm. The other, the, the kind of other math of the 4% rule is, well, essentially, whatever you want to make, it's 25 times that. That's just, okay. That's just kind of how that works. Yeah. Just math. Um, so people go, well, I need a million, I need two million to retire. Maybe, but the question is, then what? Yeah. You know, and what happens is when people get sucked into the investing world, they can start working just for like growing numbers, adding commas, and then lose their life. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Maybe instead of retiring, you cut back life. That's that file, that dimmer, mm-hmm. and you take a little bit out at a time. Mm-hmm. Then the 4% doesn't hit. Instead, maybe what you should think about is your goal is, when do I want to quit working? When do I want to follow my passion? When do I want to, I don't know, start that cupcake shop? Yeah. Then that determines your goals for investing. You could also have a generic, hey, I just want to put X percentage of my money away for savings. Uh That's great. That's a budgeting tool. But saying, hey, I want to put 20% away from my savings doesn't, that's not a goal. That's not the end goal. That's just a process measure. Yeah. Um, what do you think? Well, and the 4% to to a child-free person, like, okay, so you, you plan on only withdrawing 4% of your future investment savings, whatever it is to keep that like at sea level, let's so to speak, you're just keeping it balanced, but there comes a point, like we're kind of talking about where there's a a tipping scale of age versus how much money you have. Like, do you need to keep it level or, you know, do you splurge on that world cruise or something like you really start to take bigger chunks out of it because, unless you want to leave a grand gesture to, you know, a nonprofit, or if you're going to, you know, maybe, you know, give your funds to an individual or to nieces, nephews, whatever it's going to be. Every person has their own uh, goal in mind for that. To me, that's where the 4% kind of goes out the window, even for child-free people. Yeah. And I think your first goal should be getting out of debt. Second goal should be financial independence. And financial independence to me means if I don't get a paycheck, I'm okay. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean I'm like, you know, eating steak dinners every night. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm eating ramen noodles either, but just somewhere in between kind of like where the old school financial independence is where the boss comes in, gets mad, and you're like, all right, I'm out. I quit. <laughs> and people are like, well, you can do that. Yeah. yeah you can get to a point with that. Yeah. What that's going to mean for most people is you've got enough saving and investing that you're safe. And some of the general rules that I do like in, you know, one of the general rules I like is, have three to six months of your money in, in savings for emergencies. Mm-hmm. If the last two years have not taught you about emergencies, nothing. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Whether it's job loss or other things. Um, if you're more conservative, six months, mm-hmm. less conservative, you can take a little more chance. Fine. Also depends on your job. So like me and my wife, my wife's a college professor. That's a pretty stable job. Mm-hmm. We could probably get away with a three month savings, but I run my own business. Uh-huh. So that goes up and down. So I probably need six months. Yeah. So even that general rule, it depends on you. Now, that being mm-hmm. said, if you got a year of, of expenses in the bank, account, that's too much. Uh-huh. You know, at some point, it's like do something with it. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't know. I, I spend probably half my time telling people to save uh-huh. and the other half telling the other people to spend. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just... Well, and, that, and that's where you come up with the, the well, not you, but people come up with the thought of having money work for you. Like let your money make money. And yeah, if you're putting that money away in a savings account, making, you know, 0.0000% on it versus, you know, dipping into something, whether it's a a bond or a, you know, a a blue chip stock that you feel good about or whatever it is, um, you you kind of like start to teeter and say, okay, how much do I need to have? If it's a full year's worth of salary, you might say, you know what, I, I might be able to take, a few months and put it into something and try to get a little bit of a, a shot in the arm, so to speak, and 
and to build that little nest egg up a little bit faster. But again, it's everybody's preference. Everybody's got a different threshold of, of pain when it comes to finances and uh, how much they're willing to put their neck out there. So um, yeah, I, I don't knock the people that want to go full in on savings. They've, they've got their goals and plans. I, I don't go knock people that say, hey, I'm going to go and invest in uh, this brand new crypto that just came out, which we'll talk about cryptos in a little bit. But um. So <laughs> I think, the Cody, the thing you bring up, and we do have to talk about is inflation. That's mm-hmm. a big topic right now. Mm-hmm. Um, today, the market came out, said it's about 10% year over year. I've seen seven and a half. I've seen eight. I've seen nine. All over. Here's the bottom line. If I go to the grocery store, my grocery bill's higher. Mm. So what that means, if I, if I kept $100 in the bank yeah. for groceries, I'm getting less groceries for my 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. So that's the downside to just keeping it in the mattress. Mm-hmm. Okay? That's the old school saving. I mean, literally, the, that was the old school saving. They would put a hole in their mattress and leave it there. But over time, inflation would mean you could buy less. Mm-hmm. You know? I don't, what's the... What's the um, when I was a kid, I remember... Kind of like that ninety cent gas. What do you remember, Cody? What's the? Oh cheapest? man, like the cheapest. I mean, if you had five bucks, you could you could ride around for a long time. <laughs> My mother used to use a ten dollar bill and fill yeah. a tank and get change. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can't. That's inflation at work, and that's only over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hard part is if you don't have your money invested somewhere, its purchasing power is going down every mm-hmm. year, mm-hmm. and that's a game you're playing. Okay. Yeah. I like having some cash in case things happen. I like having it also in my pocket and that's what I use, mm-hmm. but just enough that I'm not, you know, if it's going down value over day over day, I don't want to lose sleep over that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's talk about saving and, and savings. Yeah, let's do so it. So Cody asked me as I was setting this up, what's the difference between saving and savings and saving is a concept of I'm putting money away. Savings is either a savings account or savings bonds or a few other things. So you should have a goal to save and then your money should have a job. Every dollar should have a job and have a purpose. So a savings account, what you'll hear is called a high yield savings account, HYSA. By the way, Google them. They, there's places that have good ones each week and they have specials and all mm-hmm. that. But that special is like 0.5%, mm-hmm. half a percent. Versus a bank, which is, you know, your standard, you know, savings account with a checking is 0.05. Yeah. <laughs> um, Woohoo! <laughs> but the job of a high yield savings account is just to keep your money there and just have it whenever you need it. Uh-huh. So if you're saving for a down payment on the house, your emergency fund, that goes in a high yield savings account, sits there. I don't care that it doesn't make money. That that money's job is, this is I had this the other day, I had a pipe burst. You need to pay. You need to take money out and fix the pipe. You need to fix the transmission of your car. You don't have a job. That money needs to be there. Uh-huh. You don't want to risk that money in the market or something fancy. And people go, well, but I've got six months, which is a good amount of money in there. And I'm not making any money. I go, yeah, but it's already had, it's already doing its job. Uh-huh. Its job is just to sit there. Does that make sense, Cody? Yeah. It, yeah, it totally does. I mean, it's your... It, we talked about living paycheck to paycheck uh, in a previous episode and that having that little bit of an emergency fund, even if it only amounts to uh, two paychecks, like that saves you from dipping into one of those paychecks and making you work extra hard and having that stress and just the buildup of the money already being gone. You say, okay, you just kind of start, you just start saving again. Like you just, you, you pull that out of savings, you just put it right back in when the things are available to. Yep. So let me give you one spin on savings that is really weird right now. But our grandparents, at least my grandfather, used to buy everybody savings bonds. Did you do you, you remember those old paper yep. savings oh, bonds? Yeah. Yep. Used to buy a fifty dollars savings bond mm-hmm. for everybody on their Christmas, and we just always had them. They've fallen out of fashion. I mean, <laughs> they have, and they, they weren't returning much. But because of inflation, there's this thing called an I bond. It's inflation uh, matched. And right now, if you buy an I bond, you buy it today. By the way, it's limit ten thousand per person. That's returning 7.12% on your investment, your saving. So you buy a savings bond, by the way, downside is you're buying it directly from the government, Treasury Direct, and you can only sell it back to the government. So there's no secondary market for that. But for the next six months, you'll get 7.12%. Then in May, they're going to re-look at it and say, Uh okay, it's going to go up or down. Uh Right now, everything says it's going to probably be similar-ish. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to get into, you know, I don't have a crystal ball, so I can't. <laughs> but inflation is, I don't see it disappearing in May. Yeah. 
So you got 7.12% on your money, and it's backed by the U.S. government. Mm -hmm. So if you think the U.S. government's going on business, well, then I wouldn't do that. But for everybody else, you're fine. Downside mm -hmm. of it. You can't take your money out for a year. So what I've been telling people is, you got an emergency fund? Got enough? You know, you got 20 grand in your emergency fund? Well, put 10 in a savings bond because mm -hmm. you're probably not going to need it unless something really bad happens. Mm -hmm. And it's returning 7.12% risk-free. Yeah, that's like what seven hundred and twelve dollars, something like that. Seven one two. Yeah. Now, by the way, that rate's only for the next six months, and then it's going to change for sure. the next six months. Sure. But even if it's just for six months, that's three hundred and change for doing nothing. That's a whole lot better than a high yield savings account. Downside is ten thousand dollars per person uh, per year. So uh, you know you, you can you, otherwise everybody would just put all their money over well, there and <laughs> guaranteed seven percent return. You can't beat. So I think a lot of people have the same thought right here. Lucas is jumping in here. It's like, what? You can do a bond that's a seven percent return. <laughs> this is a so Google it. It is a Series I bond from the government, TreasuryDirect.gov. Um, by the way, their website, it, I swear, is made in the nineteen nineties and never updated. <laughs> You'll see when you get there. Um, but it's limited in how much you can put, and there's limits on you can only take it out. So double check all that. But yeah, right now, 7.12%. And to those in the future, we're living in 2022 right now. So Yeah, if it's 2030 <laughs> and I don't know what the rate is, I don't know. Um, but yeah, this is this is one of those weird ones. It never, it's like, <laughs> it's very rare, let's call it that, yeah. um, that this happens. And it was funny because a lot of the financial guys last year when this uh, peaked, which a couple months ago, um, people like, savings bonds? We haven't talked about savings bonds in a decade since my grandpa <laughs> and all of a sudden it was like oh there's this little window where it works mm -hmm. um just take a look at it um there's some some quirks to it like you know once you've had it there for over a year if you get it out there's some period of times you're limited to get it out and they'll take back some of the interest but i looked at it as free money yeah i mean it's i mean if it like you said if it's at the max at ten thousand, if that's ten thousand that someone's able to risk or even like whatever, a hundred bucks. Like, hey, if you don't need that hundred bucks, you can make seven bucks on it. Yep. <laughs> so, um, but again, this is all educational and uh, for fun. So, don't listen to us. We don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the, the fun part of the savings bonds is it's one of those like nobody ever thinks about. Uh -huh. Like it's just like, huh? You know, because they, they think about the cool stuff and savings yeah. bonds well, are not on the cool list. I and know. I wonder what it would take for bonds to come back in style because, you know, looking at like investment YouTube stuff for like the past few years, you know, people never talk about bonds and buying bonds or anything. And I'm like, I wonder what it would take to make bonds sexy. And I think this is basically it. <laughs> so. <laughs> it's a lot of books you're going to get. And it's from the government, which is, yeah. makes it less sexy, I guess. Yeah, that's a healthy return, though. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so let me see here. So we had savings and get back to my little things here. Uh, next up, we've got real estate. So Cody, I saw you in the Facebook group and we were on a thread together on, should you buy a house? Mm -hmm. What do you think? I mean, it, it depends on the person and it depends on your current situation. Is it a job you feel you're going to stick out and be, in, you're going to be literally in that city. You can change jobs, but will you be in that city? And if you leave that city, what's your exit strategy on the house? Are you able to leverage that? And you want to rent out Airbnb? Is that even legal in your area? Do you want to sell it outright and try to move again or uh, rent? I mean, to have that flexibility, it just depends on, on the person's situation. So yeah, every, everybody's a little bit different. Yeah. So real estate's real. Real estate is one of those life script routines. Mm -hmm. We've talked about the life script with child, with child free. And you've chosen not to follow the life script by being child free. But then your parents are going, and the way to save money is to buy real estate. Yep. By the way, the real estate they bought 20 years ago was a completely different market. Mm -hmm. Oh, and the interest rates were another animal altogether. Well, actually, if you go back to the <laughs> 80s, they were 17%, but that's a yeah. separate Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm talking about. It's crazy. Yeah. But as a child-free person, you're more mobile, mm -hmm. okay? Good job comes up or you have a bad run of weather and you want to move, you move. Mm -hmm. You don't care about the school system, okay? So- the, hey, you have to buy real estate. Well, it works. I mean, for me and my wife, we bought real estate, okay? We have our own primary home. 
what more do we need? You know, we got 33 acres and a, and a lake. It's gorgeous. Why did yeah. I buy that? Not for an investment. I bought it because I want my neighbors to be far enough away that I don't have to see them. <laughs> okay. Um, and we have two mastiffs who cannot live in an apartment. Uh, um, so I think well, they could, of, but <laughs> it's usually a hundred pound weight limit and one be a hefty deposit. <laughs> um, but I don't want people to think you have to uh, buy a house. If you're going to rent, you have to build in the increase over time. It's about 15% last year. That was rough. Uh-huh. But the bonus of renting is if the hot water heater breaks, you go, hmm, not my problem. Yep. You got to deal with yep. the landlord. Now, if you buy a house, here's the it, rule, it general rule. Yeah, it's your problem. <laughs> so here's the general rules I'm following. 20% down, which will get you out of PMI, which is private mortgage insurance, uh-huh. which you're paying just for the lender. 20% down. And I want you to have that mortgage, ideally on a 15-year less than a third of your take home. Uh-huh. By the way, that's a lot less house than what the bank will let you buy uh-huh. because you don't want to be house poor. Yeah. You know, you can, you can buy low, you can buy houses with nothing down and all this other fun stuff. And if you buy something with nothing down, the day you buy the house, you're underwater because uh-huh. to sell the house, it costs 6% to come out. Uh-huh. Taxes, so, fees, appraisals, all that real, jazz. Fee yeah. Is 6% yeah. on its own, 5% if you negotiate. So, You've got to find the balance. Uh-huh. Now, the hard part of this is, well, the good thing is you buy a house, your housing expenses are somewhat limited. They don't, can't go up too much. You might they go up for taxes and insurance. And depending on area, that could be quite a bit. Uh-huh. But the problem is a house on average will have 1% of its value in maintenance every year. So if you buy a $300,000 house, that's $3,000 a year. Uh-huh. The downside is it's not $3,000 every month, every yeah. year. Yeah. It's uh, the heating oh. goes and it's 15,000 <laughs> yeah. and then next year you're fine. <laughs> it's like this up and down. Or, well, I, I live in a, a, a potential hurricane heavy area on the coast. And, you know, one thing that just going through life, one thing that I learned is that, oh, you've got insurance that'll cover that. Well, that's great. But you have to have your deductible is no longer that thousand dollars, two thousand dollars. It's now a percentage of the value of your house. That's a huge chunk for a lot of people. I saw a lot of houses around my area that had trees that hit them, whatever. They literally sat not being repaired for years because it was it would have been tens of thousands of dollars for them to fix that house with insurance. To get the insurance money, they had to come up with the cash. And odds are they might have been too heavy and leveraged in a debt where they couldn't afford to do that. And yeah, a lot of houses had to hit the market with a, a, a big old tree in the side of it. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah, and the market right now is stupid. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just in most areas, the, there's no houses out there. Whatever's up there is getting. I mean, I had somebody who bid a hundred thousand dollars over the house asking price and still lost. I'm like, uh-huh. what reality are we living in? Yeah, in that case. So, I think we have to temper it a little bit. Uh-huh. But I think the thing I want you to think about is there are other options. Uh-huh. So, for example, um. If you, if you decide, hey, I want to follow the uh, Grant Cardones of the world, those are the ones that say, zero down, I've got this great uh-huh. real estate investing, go right ahead. But what you're doing is you're taking on lots of debt. Uh-huh. You're gambling. Uh-huh. Okay. I just said, get out of debt, then invest. Yeah. He's saying, invest by debt. And I, not me. I, I don't get that one. He can do that, leveraging it 10x and all this uh-huh. other stuff. If that's a school of thought you're in, go right ahead. That's up to you, but you're putting a lot of risk. Uh-huh. Okay, I'm I'm more encouraging people to pay off their house so that it's yours. Well, and and, and investing in properties, uh, we just saw the downside of that with the you know the moratorium on evictions. You know, you you still got to pay that mortgage <laughs> even if you're not getting rent. So um, if, anyway, if, <laughs> yeah, if you want to do rental properties, that's fine. Yeah. What I want you to know is, do you want to be in the business of running a rental property? Uh-huh. And the idea, well, I'm moving states and I'm going to keep a house. Well, now you're like long distance landlording. Yeah. That's a nightmare. Okay. The old school, when I grew up, my family had a two family house and rented out the top floor, which paid for us to live on the first floor. That kind of worked. But then your neighbors are your renters uh-huh. who are not always perfect. Um, and you've now got the problem of the hot water heater. Yeah. If you're the one they're calling now when it breaks. Especially when um, you're above you. Yeah. And then people go, well, but I'll hire a management company to do this for me. Uh Then you might as well just invest in what's called a REIT, Real Estate Investment Trust. 
it's like a stock essentially, but it's specific to real estate. There's some rules around what they have to get back, but you can buy into real estate without buying the property. Uh -huh. And the other bonus there is you can actually buy REITs that are in all different types of stuff. Like uh -huh. for example, last couple of years, some of the highest returning REITs, self-storage. I don't know if you've seen yeah. them, those are everywhere. Oh, they're they're everywhere. They're everywhere. Absolutely everywhere. Yeah. And they're making huge money per square foot for doing that. Uh -huh. I'm not I'm not putting a self-storage facility in my backyard so I can invest in it through a REIT and other things. By the way, with the REIT, we're going to talk next week about taxes. Uh -huh. So be careful where you invest in it because those taxes, that money's going to be coming back at you. So yeah. you need to watch out for taxes. But what I'm saying is real estate's great for an investment, but there's lots of ways to do it. And it has to fit your life. If you're child yeah. free, if you're not settled in, if you're not planning on living there for a while, go ahead and rent. Um, yeah. You know, even though people say, well, you, you got to buy a house. They also say you got to have a kid. So I'm like, I yeah. don't have to follow their advice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and for the, the you know, if, if someone's starting out, younger generation, someone who doesn't have a house, you're that's all you see on the news on the Internet is you know, it's it, house prices are out through the roof or whatever. And so that's kind of the, the little bit of a silver lining here is that you don't have to buy a house right now. Like it, there are options for you. Um, and, and it might be just a way to doubt, just like we said about bonds, who thought bonds would be popular again, like real estate's going bonkers. I mean, it can't go bonkers forever. So, you know, just build up that nest egg and be ready. Yeah. And I think, remember we start with goals. Mm -hmm. Questions that match your goal. Okay. Yeah, my wife is a professor. We're not moving anywhere for anytime fast. Mm -hmm. Owning a house for us matches our goals. Yeah. Um, I enjoy it. I also enjoy doing the work on the house. If you don't enjoy working on the house, yeah, it's really expensive. <laughs> Getting a contractor to show up at your house is nearly impossible right uh -huh. now. Um, but well, that and prices of everything is they all say, oh, prices. If you'd called me two months ago, but now prices are <laughs> yeah, so I, I'm not saying real estate's bad. I enjoy it. I've, yeah. I've owned property. I've rented it. Great. I enjoy doing that. That doesn't mean it fits for everybody. And I don't yeah. want you to like beat yourself up if you're like, oh, well, I have to. Mm -hmm. You can have a different financial plan that matches you. Yeah. If you want to be a real estate mogul and have a dozen realtor uh, you know, properties, then, you know, have at it. Like that's, yep. that's, that's your game. <laughs> so that's real estate. Anything else to wrap up in there? Now let's move on. All right. So now we've got, well, it's stocks and bonds. <laughs> oh boy. The big one. Uh, by the way, I said to Cody, when we started this, I said, each of these topics could be a couple hours on their own. They could be. So we're, I, cr we're cramming a lot in here. <laughs> okay. Here's the general rule for investing. Doesn't matter if it's the savings accounts, the real estate, stocks and bonds, whatever. The general rule is only invest in things you understand. If you don't have, if you don't understand what it is, you don't understand how it works, uh -huh. and you don't understand where you should invest in it, like which account, which is taxes, we're gonna talk about next time, then you shouldn't do it. Okay. Now, understanding the stock market, not that hard. A stock in general means you are owning part of a company. Uh -huh. That's as simple as I can make it. Some companies then give you a dividend, which is them giving them giving you back some of the profit. Others don't. Um, Tesla famously does not, uh, a few other places that doesn't mean there's no value there because some, the price of the stock goes up over time and you get dividends. That's mm -hmm. the basics. Yeah. The bonus is you own part of something. Mm -hmm. Now I'm going to share how I invest. Um, not because it's the way you should invest, but just so you get an example. Um, when I look out, you know, now I, I do this for a living, so keep that in mind. In general, I keep 10% of my money for gambling. Gambling includes whatever stock pick I want to make or I think something's cool or whatever else. Mm -hmm. but that's it. I'm not picking individual stocks and going, I'm going to go all in on this and try and YOLO and whatever, mm -hmm. you know, meme stock this week or whatever. I don't care. I could do that in my 10%. That's kind of like scratching that itch of, of doing it. Mm -hmm. The other 90% of my portfolio is in three things. The entire U.S. stock market, the entire world stock market, and bonds. Bonds are essentially you're owning the other side of a loan. Uh -huh. The company or the government has said, hey, I want to get some money. I'm going to pay you some interest. Real boring. There's some things on risk there. Riskier bonds pay more, but nothing fancy. Uh -huh. 
So when I look at it, I go, okay, I invest in three things, the world, the U.S., and bonds. Now, depending on how much risk you want to take, you're going to be kind of balancing between how much stock you have and how much bond. Now, this is an old school way of looking at it, but it works. It's part of diversification. Diversification says, look, I don't want all my money in one stock. Pick which company this week is doing well. Mm-hmm. And people go, oh, I put all my money there. And then next week, what happens, of course? Something bad happens. Yeah, inevitably. <laughs> I, I worked with a guy, great guy. But whatever stock he bought, the next day it would go down. Like, it was just like guaranteed. <laughs> and, and what happens there, if you're trying to pick individual stocks, you're trying to outsmart the entire market. Uh-huh. Guess what? You ain't going to do it. Yeah. I've, I've been told that if you if you don't have regret of buying the stock, as soon as you do, it may not have been a good buy. You should have some type of fear in that it can go down. Not like all in, unless you... Unless you know something about the, 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 was it the orange juice market from uh, trading places? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So by the way, don't get your advice from Facebook or, or whatever. Um, just everybody's selling something. Everybody's selling something. So. <laughs> you know, the, the, the challenge is everybody, it used to be, this is the old school always said, I got a stock tip. I got a hot tip. Uh-huh. What that really means is I'm trying to pump up something that I'm yeah. buying. Um, so now it's become popular to buy exchange trade funds or index funds. Uh-huh. You buy the whole market. Yep. The, the, or there are also mutual funds. Now, mutual funds, you can have active mutual funds where people are like doing this trading for you. The downside of that is fees. Uh-huh. Very common to see like a load fee where you, know, you got to pay 5% or 5.5% when you buy it. That's a commission. Uh-huh. So you start five and a half percent in the hole. Then they charge you per year on that mutual fund, uh-huh. two, three, one and a half percent, whatever it is. And now you're paying that ongoing. If you're buying something with a fee, you better know what that fee is buying. Uh-huh. And it has to be worth it. You know, so I can buy the entire stock market of the U.S. Um, there's a bunch of different index funds. Some are actually zero fee now. There's a couple and others are 0.03%. So it's like nothing. Mm-hmm. So I can buy the entire stock market with no fees. Why am I buying a mutual fund with seven, eight, nine percent fees? What do you think, Cody? Well, if uh, hopefully the money is being well spent on someone who knows what they're doing, and they if if you don't have to watch the market every day, you're not going to lose sleep. Okay, so old school was you have to choose between sleeping well and eating mm-hmm. well. All right. And the debate there was, well, you eat well when you take a lot of chances. And you also lose when you take a lot of chances. Uh Um, The the classic Warren Buffett bet was, hey, anybody that wants to pick stocks, you go right ahead. I'll bet on just the S&P 500. That was Warren Buffett. And he has won every single time. Yeah. And Warren Buffett, man, that's the Oracle of Omaha. Um, he's been doing this for long enough that he knows what he's doing. Uh-huh. Um, if you invested in just the S&P 500, which, by the way, that's just 500 stocks that they've picked. It's kind of the, uh, the bigger ones, um, a wide range, diversified. Uh-huh. If you invest in the S&P 500 over the last three years, you've got about 96% return, which essentially says over the last three years, you doubled your money. Uh-huh. And that's a, that, way, that doesn't that's, that's, that's a crazy market. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> the market's usually like seven to ten percent on average. Yeah. We've been doing like twenty-six ish mm-hmm. per year. That's a little crazy. By the way, seven to ten percent. There's a rule of seventy-two. So if you divide seventy-two by ten, that's about seven. It'll take seven years to double your money if you're making ten percent on it. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, sorry, seven years for that. If it's if it's seven percent, it takes you ten years. So seven to ten years to double your money. And that's in the general. Stock market, boring things. Yeah, You do not want to have to check the stock market every morning. You want to have a plan. You want to know what you bought in. You want to understand it and set it and forget it. Mm-hmm. I watch the stock market every day because I work in it. Yeah. But I don't do it for my, I don't look at my portfolio. It's already set and gone. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about that, Cody? Well, I, I first got into stocks back in 08 when everything crashed. Because I was like, you know, just starting out. You know, I was making 
you know, 35,000 a year, maybe 40 at that time. But I mean, a, a good little starter job. And back in 08, and I just saw all these stocks going down, 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 that little, little red triangle going down. And I'm like, it's like, there's no way this go down forever. Like if it goes down, then everything's over and money will be worth nothing anyway. So for me, I took a personal risk and said, you know what, I'm going to start buying stocks. And I think I put about 10,000 into the stock market. And within a matter of years, I turned that 10 into 40,000 because it, to me, it was a no brainer. But that, again, I, I did the research. I looked at stocks. I said, okay, I, this is probably not going to go bankrupt because that's all you heard about is they can go bankrupt. You can lose everything. And that just, you know, whatever. So yeah, in 08, and then the same thing that just happened recently um, with the stock market, everything, you know, went down, 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 down. I'm like, again, going back to old trading places, you know, you're sitting on the on the, the floor and you're like, yep, I'll buy now. And then you start buying stock and again, it, it's worked out. Um, but do I want to stay in those stocks? Probably not. So that's something for me to consider later and go with something a little safer. But that's my individual story of how um, how I looked at the stock market is. If it, if, if it does truly look like a no-brainer, and a no-brainer being that everything is going down, sooner or later it's going to rebound in my mind and it's going to go back up. So it's just a matter of how how long and how much you want to put into that gamble. Yeah, and, and I'm not I, I'm going to differ and say I don't think there is a no-brainer, but that's your <laughs> way of looking at it. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay to have different theories of investing. What, what Cody's talking about is timing the market, mm. okay? The downside of timing the market is you're usually wrong. You have to guess both when to get in and when to get out. Uh -huh. And the data says you're not going to get it right. Uh -huh. What's more important is your time in the market, uh -huh. how long you were in the market. So I don't time the market. I don't try to. I just buy it. And when I need the money, I'll sell it. That's uh -huh. it. So like uh, when COVID hit in March, we dropped 30% in the market. And I had a whole bunch of people, oh, my 401k is yeah. down. Uh, it is. Everybody's this. <laughs> if you stayed in the market and just didn't touch anything, uh -huh. you ended up the year almost 30% up. Uh -huh. If you sold at the 30% bottom, you've locked in, you lost 30%. Uh -huh. The hardest part of investing in the market is to set a plan and then just let it go. Yeah. Unless something changes big in, you know, in your life or in the, in the stock market, that's it. Now, the hard part of that is every time you, so if you try to do what Cody's doing, the time in the market, you're paying fees every time you go in and out of something, okay? You may not be paying commission, but there's fees and trade and all that. Uh -huh. And you got to get the timing right. You want to do that? You want to research it? Good. Downside, don't be day trading. No, God, okay? no. <laughs> when we get in taxes, we're going to talk about wash sales and one of those fun ones. Um, this is the Robin Hood problem. Uh, there's actually been a few people that have committed suicide because of they were day trading with margin in Robinhood. Uh -huh. What that really means in English is the margin means you're taking a loan in your stock to invest in something. And then day trading means I'm selling in and out. Well, the way the IRS works, you buy and sell the same stock within a certain period of time. They go, hmm, I'm not going to give you any credit for that. And you might have a million dollar bill that you owe to IRS. Uh -huh. That's what's happened to people. So you want to know what you're investing in. Uh -huh. um, if, you, if you're going to get there, I, I like Bogle's book, you know, the little common sense book of investing. If you want to get crazier, uh, you can do a random walk down Wall Street. Great book. Read it. Understand it before you invest. Have a plan, a structure, whatever that may be. Now, that doesn't mean you have to know everything about the stock market before you invest. You have to understand what you're investing in. So, so for example... Very common now in 401ks to have time date funds. I'm going to retire in 2040. But what that does is that will automatically balance the number of stocks and bonds you have over time. Uh -huh. The downside is you got to watch the fees because you don't want some high fees, but you're essentially trusting them to over time make it less risky. Uh -huh. but understand what you're buying before you buy it. That's a good way to do the general market. The, the hey, I've got a hot stock pick or I want to time it. Yeah, I just can't I can't build a financial plan around that because there's too many variables. You know, you might get lucky. Uh -huh. Absolutely. That's why I keep a little bit of my money for playing around. That's just to scratch the itch because yeah. I'm, I'm like, Cody, I'd like to, you know, play with it. and think I could get it yeah, right. You never now. know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't always. I can tell you that right now. Um, but 
you, you can work that through. Um, I don't want you to be afraid of the stock market or bonds, but I want you to understand it. Read a book first, do something, you know, you can do the simple path to wealth. That's another great book. Um, so that you are making an informed decision versus just you put your stock in, by the way, don't watch it the next day. Cause it always seems to go down. Uh, that's just my luck. Yeah. You know, and then you pull out the next day and you've locked in that loss. Yeah. You know, the way they say it is you only get hurt on the roller coaster if you jump off. Yeah. Ooh, ride the <laughs> roller coaster <laughs> to your goals. Thoughts, Cody? Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, it's uh, the, the time in versus timing. Like for me, like, yeah, the times that I was like excited to get in when I started going down, I, I don't know if it was timing or it was just like, to me, it's like, like is all time lows, like for like the last like 10 years each time. So it's like, you know what, to me that it, it is timing, but to me, it's not timing because it, I don't know, to me, it made sense, but that's just me and how I, I did it. But you don't have to justify it. <laughs> yeah, your, I know. If your stock plan, if you understand what you're doing and, and, have a plan. Great. That's actually the whole core of the stock market. Everybody has a plan and everybody thinks their plan is better. Yeah. Um, I personally don't try to outthink the market. I just try to ride it. Yeah. Um, one thing that I do encourage people to think about, there are actually, uh, if you want to invest in the whole stock market, there's also what's called ESG funds, uh, environmental social governance, where if you don't want to invest in oil or, mm -hmm. you know, things um, that fit, you can actually pick stocks that, match your um, political or beliefs or social beliefs. Um, so it is an option, um, but you need to understand them. Might be paying more fees again, but it might be worth it for you in the, you know, return in your heart. I don't know. Yeah. Your stock plan needs to match you and it needs to not keep you up at night. Uh -huh. Okay. If it's keeping you up at night, you, you took too much risk. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you get return for risk and people go, well, I need to beat the market. Well, what beating the market really means is I'm going to take more risk than the market in the hope of winning. That's okay if that's what you want. I've already yeah. lost all my hair. I can't lose any more. <laughs> um, so I don't want that risk. The other one to keep in mind for, for stocks, uh, very popular right now on the internet, talk about options and other things. You got to understand that stuff before you do it. Uh -huh. Okay. There are ways you can actually lose more money than you had put in. Uh -huh. um, so we started talking about shorting stocks and other things. The other thing is stick away, stay away from margin, which is yeah, yeah. I, I'm loaning my, I'm, I'm taking a loan on my stock. So I invest yeah. more. You're taking risk and risk and risk and risk. And that's the thing, like options, margin calls, like I, I, I'm not touching those. Like I'm just, that, that, that's again, my, you know, uh, threshold of pain. I, I'm just like, nope, not, it, it's, it's my money or nothing. And, you know, it's kind of on uh, what I'm comfortable with. So, but again, that, that's the way I do it. Someone else is like, oh, I love margins. I've made so much money. Great. Awesome. Good for you. A lot of people yeah. have lost money on margins, but it's like, here's the thing to keep in mind. Fancier is not better. Yeah. <laughs> the boring well, and, stuff. And well, not as fancier, but complicated. It, it, again, like you said, if you don't truly understand it, like you, you need to understand it. Yep. And the, and please, the next time somebody says, Hey, I got this great idea. Mm. Just smile and not mm -hmm, mm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just let them go with their idea. And so with that, we're going to roll into crypto, oh. NFTs, fiat, and Lego. So, okay. <laughs> My, so I, I spend quite a bit of time understanding things. And this list I made was kind of the all else, everything. And uh, if you're going to be in anything that's different, specialized out there, you need to understand it. Uh -huh. Crypto is a fun one where everybody's like, I need to be in crypto. Why? FOMO, FOMO, FOMO. What are you buying? What, how does it fit in your portfolio? What percentage? What's the return? Same with NFTs. What are you buying? Mm -hmm. Now, if you understand that area and you want to make that, you go right ahead. But what's happened is people go, well, I made all this money on this such and such crypto. Cool. Congratulations. You mm -hmm. did. Doesn't mean I should do it. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, if you're buying, like, for example, I buy the entire stock market. I have, you know, some of the companies you're buying into have some exposure to it. Now, if you're going to put all your money into in a crypto and, you know, spin the roulette wheel, you go right ahead. But that's the same as going to the casino and putting on 17. Mm -hmm. um, any, my bias, my bias, personal, <laughs> is anything that can have the value double over a tweet. That's where I'm like, what in the world am I buying? Um, am I buying a tweet? I mean, am mm -hmm. I buying some? Some of it makes sense, but some of it's just, I have no clue what we're buying. Um, I just read, uh, there's a good article on one 
uh, crypto where a hacker had figured out how to hack the system and make themselves as much coin as they wanted. They decided not to take that. They instead took a bounty from the company to report it. Uh-huh. But if the hacker could have just made as many crypto coins as they wanted, uh-huh. that scares me. Yeah. Um, so just be careful on that. Now, Cody, you threw in fiat. What are you talking about? Fiat, that is your physical bullion, gold, silver, platinum, like actual coin, an actual bar, like something you can touch, and it, it's a precious metal. And what about that? Well, we just talked about crypto that's nothing. So. I know, and, and this is like, this is a physical kind of version of that, I guess, from the old-timey days. Um, and, you know, some people want to invest in, in you know, the, the fiat field because they feel like, well, you know, gold and silver, precious metals, smartphones, it's all needed. It's only going to drive the market up. And so they're sitting on, um, you know, little caches of old, you know, 1920s nickels, you know, Buffalo nickels or whatever. And they're just waiting to cash in all that silver. If the market hits a certain level with their number that they come up with. Um, and so that, you know, it's just another one of those things that people want to invest in It's what they're comfortable with. And they like the idea maybe of just having that physical aspect versus a stock which they don't even get paper anymore. You, you used to get paper stock, but now you don't even get that. Um, so maybe it's just to, to have something physical that they can stare at and see their dragon's hoard of gold in front of them uh, and, and you know, in their mind, kind of how much that's going to be worth. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd love to Scrooge McDuck right through it, you know, yeah. dive into uh, if you want to If you want to do gold, silver, fine, that's your choice. Understand what you're buying, mm-hmm. where it fits. One caution on this. Make sure somebody else knows where you're keeping it. Uh, yeah. my, my neighbor had this and his father died and they had a stash of gold coins that they ripped up the house in the yard and never found it um like they think that was like a six figure hundred thousand dollar plus stash of coins don't know where it is uh-huh. um so that is downside and it can be stolen um and people talk about it as an inflation hedge and all that depends um you got to have the right thought process and now, once again, it's going to be a percentage of your holdings, not uh-huh. I'm putting it all in crypto, oh, I'm putting it oh. all in gold, I'm putting it all in anything you're saying all in, mm, I'm scared a little. Yeah. So let's talk about Lego. So, okay. Uh, there's a great study that came out and they looked at the return on investment of Lego versus stock market. And it's Lego, actually, Lego the toy, the toy. Yeah. <laughs> box. Remember, we all had those as kids and they had the kits. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. The return on investment actually has been just as good, if not better, than stock some year. And I use this as a kind of a placeholder of Lego. But if you have a hobby, you have a specialty, you know something, you want to invest in it, a collectible, it's an option. Keep in mind, still paying taxes when you sell it. And collectibles actually can be at a higher tax rate than the standard. And we'll get that a bit more into mm-hmm. that in taxes. But the other part is it could be Beanie Babies. Uh-huh. Remember Beanie Babies, Cody? All too well. Uh, one of my previous lives, I, I was um, uh, in a, a estate sale professional. So I liquidated the contents of houses when someone either um, downsized, uh, death, divorce, uh, there any might of reasons. But anyway, they had to liquidate the contents of a house. I can't tell you how many times I walked into a room, floor to ceiling of Beanie Babies in cases with the tags in cases. They're like, oh, this was going to be like, you know, college for the kids or the retirement fund and yeah, Beanie Babies. And you threw them in the dumpster, didn't you? <laughs> well, no, I sold them, but it, I but mean, for so little that you might as well throw them in the dumpster. I mean, yeah, we, well, basically what we didn't sell, it's like what do you, they would, they would give them to like a children's hospital or something. Like they would literally just give them away, but they thought like, you know, that little, that little red pig was going to be worth, you know, $4,000 or the, uh, the princess, the purple, bear the princess diana bear everyone thinks they have like the ten thousand dollar bear odds are you don't and odds are it's not unless it's like the number one one it's not it's not worth it (laughs) but that's that's my my teacher i I sold a lot of princess bear dolls for three dollars because that's about what the going rate was on the liquidated market yeah and i think i just left like this whole pile of stuff here and and i hate to put crypto and nft and lego in the same world but (laughs) you got to understand what you're buying you have to understand how you're going to sell it, okay? Right now, people talk about buying NFTs in, in Meta, and, you know, I own a song or a art or something. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that enough to, to invest in it. I just don't. I don't have the time and effort to do that. Somebody else might, and somebody else might make a lot of money at it. Uh-huh. It's not saying it's right or wrong. It's just a general rule. you got to understand it. 
the 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 reason why I leave these here is these are all ones that everybody seems to be hot on whatever whatever Facebook post or Instagram or whatever. Somebody has this idea. Actually, TikTok finance has now become very popular. Whatever it is, and that's what you should buy. Mm-hmm. It can and work. Odds are the person hawking that is probably invested in it. <laughs> so they're, really? They're, no, they're, I mean, they're not but you think they're trying to. Okay. Yeah. So okay, I got to bring up the other one that my favorite. When people go for four ninety nine, you can buy this course, and I will teach you how mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. If they're making that much money doing it, they don't have to do the course. Uh-huh. They're making more money off the course than, you know, teaching you how to how to do it than they're doing investing themselves. Uh-huh. Um, by the way, everybody seems to have a course nowadays. Well, for uh-huh. those that, if you still listen to the radio in your car every now and then, you'll hear uh, like real estate is the one that like, I'm coming to your town, and they answer, "We're coming to Washington D.C." They talk about they just add in a random city, and yeah. they, and it's like. <laughs> the bottom line is you just need to understand it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So with that, I mean, the biggest question, do you need help? I need help, but that's a different question. <laughs> um, oh, oh, sorry. Um, oh, you're talking about investing. Yes. All right. And so I'm biased. Yeah. I'm biased. That's what I do for a living. My rule is as long as you can understand it and make good decisions, go for it. When I say understand it, I mean what the investment is, how you're investing in it, where, where was what type of account tax we're going to talk about next time, mm-hmm. how it fits in your plan. You can do that. And by the way, it's not hard. You can understand it if you want to put the time and effort into it. You have to choose, is it worth putting your time and effort into it? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a great question. The investing part is actually the easier part of it. The which accounts and tax planning and how do I make sure I have a financial plan, insurance and my retirement numbers and all estate planning, that's much harder. Uh-huh. Um, and you may want to get some help. People often go, well, I'll wait until I have a bunch of money to get some help. Well, it's kind of like a chicken and the egg problem. Of, uh-huh. If I get some help earlier, I can make more money. But if I have the money, then I can pay for the help. And uh-huh. it's a balance. If you're going to go for help, all right, general rule, if you're going to go for help, you're looking for an advice only, fee only, fiduciary, certified financial planner. I'm biased. That happens to be what I do. So I'm, <laughs> I'm saying that up front. Advice only means you pay them for their time. Just like you do a CPA or a lawyer or whatever. Advice only means, so the way I do it, I teach you how to do it and you actually do the investing. The other option is investment management where you're paying one, one and a half percent on your investment every year. If you want to do that, that's we call it delegation. You're just saying, take it. Now, Mm -hmm. I just said you should understand what you're doing. So if you're just handing it off to somebody, you're not understanding what they're doing. Uh So we start with advice only. Fee only means you pay for their time, no one else. Because if you see fee-based run, fee-based means they're getting commissioned to sell you stuff. I think about this like a doctor who's being paid to prescribe you meds. Not what I want. Uh Okay. Fiduciary means they're putting your needs ahead of theirs. The certified financial planner, that's just... The, the certification for financial planning. It's a, it's a, it takes, you have to have a bachelor's degree, a whole bunch of courses. You have to have 6,000 hours of experience. It's, it, it takes a lot. Now, how do you find one? Um, I actually shared Cody this story. Uh, very popular right now is a group called XY Planning Network. It's actually a bunch of uh, planners specifically for Gen X, Gen Y. They go a little out of there, but that, and over the, I, I'm a member of the group. And over the past uh, about six months, I've been lobbying them. And now they finally have, a category for child-free. Um, so you can actually go in there and say, hey, I want somebody who's specialized in child-free. Downside is I'm the only one on the list right now. I'm trying to get others. Um, but at least we're being recognized. But you can find xyplanningnetwork.com, napfa, napfa.org, or feeonlynetwork.com. You can find a fee-only CFP. The thing, because you're child-free, I want you to ask is, how is my financial plan different because I'm child-free? Uh-huh. And if they look at you and go, oh, just move on. Yeah. Um, good CFP should be able to go, hmm, well, this and this and this and this and there's a list. But it's a, it's a kind of a quiz question, a little bit of a gotcha. Um, so you don't necessarily have to get help, but you need to know when to get help. And it's more than just investing. Uh-huh. You know, so I work on budgeting and insurance and getting out of debt and state planning, all that. And I work with people over time, so they learn. You want somebody who can help you t- help you learn. The other bonus is 
just about all of us give out no cost. Initial means, by the way, we're not allowed to say free. It's no cost. <laughs> it's just regulatory. No cost means you can just meet us and say, hey, two or three, try somebody that works, pick their brain, get some help, um, or you can learn it on your own. The downside of learning on your own, just be careful which recipe you're following. Mm-hmm. Pick a recipe and stick to it. If you're making brownies, make brownies. If you're making cookies, make cookies. When you get on the internet, you can like get too much data and different things. And you're like taking it apart from here and apart from here and apart from here. And actually those plans can hurt each other because you you don't know, you could actually be taking on more risk for each one without the return. Yeah. sense to you, Cody? It does. And I want to throw a comment out here. Lucas had chimed in a little bit earlier. Uh, So he's saying his financial advisor had the wrong assumption in retirement setting and planning i uh, had to adjust him to what it means to retire living child free he continued a little bit um, and especially on the amount left at the end what we talked about earlier uh, no way i need that amount on his account when he's 80 told him to make adjustments to where i have only 200,000 to 80 and let me know when i can retire so yeah it's setting that goal finding your number you know there's no reason you need to retire with 10 million dollars unless you want to have a, a gold statue again uh, i yep. mentioned that in a previous episode built of you uh or you're going to give it away in some form or fashion um enjoy your money like enjoy it uh mm-hmm. yeah and um yeah we got uh, let's see chapter of life thanks many awesome um, but i do want to show everyone that website because uh jay and i were chatting a little bit after the last episode and he told me about it and i just thought it was it was it's a feather in the cap of the child-free community and he didn't really want to talk about this. It was, it was me that kind of pushed him to do it, but on this, this website, uh, xyplanningnetwork.com. So you scroll down, it says, let's find an advisor and a specialty. And then he told me where to go. So it's in family structure and marital status because they don't know where else to put us, I guess, child-free one. And that's, that's Jay. Like, but I, I just scanning it. I said, parents is 46. Um, you know, blended families for couples and partners, but literally like here's little, little child free. And that, that is awesome. Like that is amazing that he was able to get this group of people to recognize our lifestyle and our community as a valid option of, of living of, of, I mean, it's awesome. I think it's awesome. Uh, you know, congrats Dr. J for getting that on there. Um, I just thought it was worth, um, promoting and and tooting your horn for it there's jay but yeah hopefully there will be more uh certified financial planners on this list in the future they'll see the the validity in it and the importance of it and say you know what we're we're uh we're worth talking to we're worth understanding like that's the big thing you know it, it yeah when, when you go in and and i've mentioned this in a previous episode and you sit down with your your person and they punch in their numbers into their little program and then they talk okay well what about kids do you have kids and then a college fund and and sometimes they even forget you said you don't plan on having kids and they still ask you about college funds yeah. later it's like no we're not we're not having kids so it's like, anyway that's my soapbox but uh thank you for doing that dr j i think it's i think it's great that it's there yeah and i think um i i probably have a bigger battle with my financial brethren to say hey we exist <laughs> um, and i'm out there regularly doing it i you know but we're at least making some progress uh-huh. And so with that, uh, we are going to wrap up here. You can find out more about Dr. J at childfreewealth.com. Dr. J, tell us about the book you're working on, please. Yeah, so uh, I'm currently deep into this research. If you want to <laughs> be part of it, childfreewealth.com slash book. And I've got, a, I don't want to, 230 people or so that have answered questions about what childfree wealth means. And that's, that's where I'm spending most of my time right now, to be honest. And the best part is, I'm hearing the same stories. I'm hearing people that are doing some great things with life. I've got some people that are struggling. It's a balancing act. I think what I'm doing with the book is I'm trying to get the word out there that it's different, that, you know, child-free wealth is a specialty. Um, the other thing is if you get bored, childfreewealth.com. You can also schedule a free, sorry, can't say free, no, no cost, 60-minute <laughs> meeting uh, with me so you can actually get to know me. Um, and also we can dive in and see what works for you as far as your finances. Awesome. And so the next episode we're going to do is going to be uh, episode five on tax planning, Ooh. which I'm, I'm excited to talk about, Jay, maybe not you're, as much. You're excited about taxes? Yes, because I don't want to take all my money. <laughs> so it's, I cannot be excited about finding a way to save money by not paying as much on taxes in the end if you don't have to. Uh, 
I'm, I don't know. I'm excited about weird things, I guess. But anyway, uh, Dr. J, thank you for being here. Audience, thank you for being here, joining in. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Peace. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.